banded together by a mutual yearning for the more simplistic times and random fun of the comic books of yesteryear. Alec Berry and Scott Gardner now travel back. Back to the bins! Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Back to the Bins. I am Scott Gardner. And I'm Alec Berry. And... Alec, you can take it away this time. What is your completely random book for this episode? Well, I am going with a DC title tonight, and uh, he's got a current running series. Uh, he can technically be called DC, the DC Universe's greatest hero, but uh, not so much in this series. It's the ninth issue of Booster Gold, which came out in 1986. Uh, it's written and drawn by Dan Jurgens with Mike D. Carlo uh, on the inks. Uh, premise of this issue is it's it's carrying over from issue eight as a continuing story. Uh, the president at the time, uh, Mr. Ronald Reagan, is being uh, he's held hostage and he will be assassinated by a mercenary an alien mercenary known as the Chiller. Uh, he has him captured along with the vice president uh, George Bush Senior. Which, uh, Jurgens does some pretty good likeness drawing in this, I think. Uh, two look very, uh, they look pretty, pretty close to realistic. But with this issue, Booster Gold is, um, you know, he's the time traveler that he is. He's out to save the president, but also the Legion of Superheroes from, uh, the 31st century where Michael Carter originated from come back trying to, uh, stop this horrible event from happening. But they mistake Booster Gold to be the assassin of the president's. So what we pick up with this issue is Legion of Superheroes is fighting against, uh, they're fighting against Booster Gold and they have him tangled up by, you know, Chameleon Boy is transformed and has him tangled up and, uh, and, uh, you know, they, they battle it out a little bit and then they eventually, you know, like all superheroes do, eventually they kind of figure out that, oh, hey, we're not supposed to be fighting and we're supposed to be going to help people. And, uh, at the same time, the Chiller is, is disguised as a, a human bodyguard, and then he reveals himself to the president and vice president. He drives them out sort of to uh middle of nowhere, getting ready to assassinate them for a uh, higher order known as the 1000, who we don't really know who they are. And uh right about when he's getting ready to assassinate them, uh, Booster Gold's little sidekick, ro- sidekick robot Skeets shows up and uh, blasts the chiller out of the way allowing for more time for Booster Gold and the Legion to uh, show up and uh, save the president and the vice president. You know, Chiller, he kind of fights off Skeets, and he has the president cornered getting ready to fire his gun. He fires. Booster Gold shows up at the nick of time and deflects the uh, ray. You know, they battle it out. him and the Legion battle it out against the Chiller. They save the president. And then the Legion sort of, they want to get uh, down into Booster Gold's origin. They want to know why he has a Legion flight ring, why they why he stole it from their museum. Chameleon Boy and Ultra Boy want to take it, the Legion of Flight Ring away from Michael because they feel he doesn't deserve it because he stole it. But Brainiac, you know, he, he kind of realizes that uh, the, play, the way time works and, you know, he figures that if he already has it and the future is still intact, that, it, you know... Michael must have the ring for a reason, uh, so he doesn't really want to interfere with it. So he lets Michael go with the ring, but he says, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on you. Uh, 
A few days later, you know, Reagan kind of announces to the world that Booster Gold saved him. He quickly becomes the world's greatest hero, uh, even maybe even a little bit more well-known than Superman himself. And uh, being the selfish creep that he is, he gets a bunch of movie contracts and girls out of it. And, and uh, you know, while he's filming a basically a cologne commercial, someone, a poor, innocent uh, friend of his, comes up asking him for help because his uh, teenage daughter has been kidnapped. And uh, on the last two pages, we have the the head man of the organization known as the 1000. Uh, he has the daughter kidnapped, and he's basically going to use her as bait for Booster Gold and to destroy him once and for all. And that is where we're left off at the end. Uh, I just, again, I thought this was just, you know, going back to the premise of the show, I thought this was just a simple, fun, sort of superhero, uh, action-packed fight, you know, issue. Uh you know, not really too, you know, can't really dig too deep into it. It's just surface level fun. Uh, I kind of like the character of Booster Gold. I kind of like that, you know, he, I think Booster means well uh, by trying to help people. But I think, you know, he sometimes he just kind of lets his greed get in the way. And uh, I don't know, it just, I think it just makes for an interesting character dynamic. And again, I really enjoyed Dan Jurgen's artwork. I think, you know, he, he captures that comic book style, but yet he still does have sort of a sense of realism. So I, I like this a lot, and uh, now I, I think I'm gonna, I am might have to actually start getting a run on the original Booster Gold series. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. Um, I was a big fan of the original Booster Gold series, and although I didn't think a whole heck of a lot of the the latest series, the the current ongoing series, or at least I think it's still going. I, I yeah. eventually dropped it. You know, waited so long, waited basically twenty years for him to reacquire his own title again, and I, I was terribly disappointed. I know a lot of pe- other people really enjoy the the current series. I, it just kind of fell flat for me. But that original series, particularly the the first nine issues, um, were just fantastic. I really liked that, and he's basically DC's first. Uh, post crisis, you know, post crisis on Infinite Earth's hero, yeah. and uh, you know, and his continuity reflects that. I really like the uh, the origin story, you know, guest starring Superman and all that. And I, I think you know his greatest stories were that two parter with Superman, and then this two parter with the Legion, uh, both really good stories. And you can never go wrong when uh, when President Reagan was part of uh, of the DC stories back in this area there were there were several stories that that involved uh ronald reagan as president and uh most of them were really good you know some superman stuff and then the uh like the legends event and all that so yeah this this is definitely that 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 uh review is definitely a walk down memory lane for me because uh booster the original booster series just one of my all-time favorite series so yeah i definitely encourage you to uh to follow up on that and read more of those that's some good stuff what do you got, Scott? All right, this one. All right, this is the weirdest one for me so far. Um, just totally out of my element with this, but had to give it a try. Um, this is Image Comics. It is Wildcats. You made me happy already. You just said um, yeah. I, I I knew that you were you were into the the image stuff. This is Wildcat. It just says Wildcats number twenty-one. So I guess that's the name of it. I it, yeah. it's. I didn't know if it was Wildcats or Wildcats covert action team. See, this is how much I know about the Wildcats. Uh, Wildcats 
the the cat stands for covert action teams. Ah, That's what okay, it stands gotcha. for. So yeah, it's just Wildcats. This is number twenty one from July of 1995. I can't even tell you why I picked this up. Just somehow or other, I wound up with it and decided, okay, this was going to be the one I was going to check out. And, you know, much like modern comics, it has three creators listed right on the front, which was more, and I guess the the name is pronounced Charest, it's C-H-A-R-E-S-T, and Hubs. None of these names meant anything to me because I assume when I saw Moore, I assumed it would be like, you know, Fred Moore or something. So lo and behold, I cracked this sucker open. It's Alan Moore. It's Alan Moore, like Watchmen, you know, V for Vendetta, Alan Moore. So right off the bat, I'm like intrigued. I'm like, ooh, maybe this won't like completely suck after all. Not that I am a, a, one of these, you know, uh, image prejudice people to begin with, because I, I'll say right off the bat, I missed that whole thing. Although I have never stopped collecting comics, you know, since I, I dedicated myself to collecting comics at the tender age of nine years old, you know, I stuck with comics through, you know, the good times and the bad times and the nineties and all that. But somehow the whole thing with image and valiant and defiant and all these other things, I somehow I just kind of slept walked through that whole thing and missed all of it. I just I've always pretty much been a big two kind of guy, so I don't really have any prejudice against like Rob Liefeld or Image. I'm just pretty much unaware of it. I've been blissfully ignorant about it for all this time. So I went into this with really no preconceptions of it, other than you know it, it it's hard to be totally blind because I've heard so much bad mouthing of all this image stuff all these years, but I went into it with an open mind. You know, I, I read, uh, the Spider-Man clone saga, you know, just a few years ago, you know, years after it was all wrapped up after all the bad mouthing on that. And I actually enjoyed it. So, you know, I take all that kind of stuff with a grain of salt. So anyway, to my recollection, the only exposure I've ever had to the wildcats before this is there was a team up with the JLA back when Morrison's JLA was the big deal about what was that 10 or so years ago. And the JLA were suddenly everywhere and had all these one shots and stuff. And there was a JLA Wildcats one shot. I read that and was completely lost. I didn't know who any of these people were. I'm pretty much the same way in this book. I'm completely lost. I don't know who any of these people are. However, I was still able to really enjoy it. From what I gather on this, there's this chick, and her name is Savant, and she's putting together a new version of the Wildcats. And something, I guess, I'm led to believe something horrible or something really bad happened to the prior incarnation of the Wildcats. So she's basically trying to recruit people to be the new version for whatever reason. The only person in this that I recognized and only just kind of peripherally was this dude. Oh crap. Now I can't think of his name. He, he's, he's like the Superman of this universe. He's this big Superman looking Mr. Majestic, I think is his name. 
because I remember there was a, a an event in Superman a number of years ago where where he and this guy briefly switched places and universes or something like that, and this guy came to Metropolis and filled in for Superman for a brief time, and it was actually pretty cool, and I think Superman and this guy actually met up for an issue or two of one of this majestic guy's uh, series. I, I tried to collect those a while back. I've got a few issues. I've never actually sat and read them. I just kind of flipped through them. So I'm, I'm pr- kind of just sort of aware of him and what his deal is, but that that's as much as I, I knew about any of the characters in this. However, I still was able to sort of half-assed follow it, and I, I enjoyed it. You know, the the art was really nice. It's very, very Jim Lee-esque, you know, kind of going with that, that same formula. But, you know, I don't have anything against Jim Lee. You know, when when he works, he really works. And this, you know, was enjoyable. It was a good little read. It was, I wish I could say it was a nice introduction to the characters, but it really wasn't because I was still lost by the end of it. I didn't understand who they were, what their motivations or their deal, or even what their powers were. But it was just kind of fun. It, it kind of reminded me of the old days where you would just pick up something like, Marvel two in one or Marvel team up and Spider-Man or, or the thing would be teamed up with some dude that you'd never heard of before. But if the story was good and it, and it, and it, it captured you somehow, you were able to get past that and still really enjoy the story, even though you might never have heard of whoever the guy he was teamed up with was. That's kind of how this was. You know, I was still able to enjoy it, Without knowing the history or the people or anything, it was just, you know, that's a testament to, I think, you know, to the to the writer that, you know, he was able to still give me something I could walk away from going, well, I might not have quite understood everything that was going on, but it was still kind of fun. And, and that's how this was. It was still kind of fun. And it was enough to make me think that this feels very much like a transitional issue between what was and what was coming. So I'd be curious to read, you know, further on beyond this to see, you know, where, where did more go with this and what did this new team become? What are their motivations and what are they all about? Because, you know, I literally knowing nothing about them, I don't even know if they're good guys. You know, I always assumed that these wildcats were a team of heroes, but by the actions and the, the way they talk and some of their motivations, some of these characters are really, really dark and they almost seem like maybe they could be a, a group of of hitmen or something. So I actually coming into this blind like this and coming into it fairly ignorant of the of the characters and motivations was I think it kind of played to my enjoyment of it. I, I think it, it it gave me a, a unique perspective on on it. I, I don't know. All I know is I, I got a kick out of it. I thought it was a lot of fun and uh the only uh thing I didn't like about it was there was a pinup in here by uh, Joe uh, Casada and Jimmy Palmiotti and wow it's really bad <laughs> <laughs> and I usually like uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and uh, you know Joe Casada nah, he's kind of hit and miss to me anyway but yeah this this pinup was ooh it's not pretty yeah some of those than- some of those pinups in that uh, oh finish out sorry about that oh no no that's cool no, you're right. Yeah, some of the pinups in the in the early uh, image because I remember uh, you know the only image book 
prior to Walking Dead that I'm following now, you know, the only one I was ever versed in at all was Savage Dragon, and they used to do a lot of pinups of Savage Dragon, and a lot of times they were very hit and miss as well. Yeah. Well, first thing is, um, I do agree that Alan Moore wrote, uh, he wrote a good bit of that early image stuff. I know he did an issue of Spawn, I think it was issue eight. Uh, he, I think he had some involvement in that 1963 series. Uh, he, he did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He, he did, he did Wildcats for a little. And another, uh, he did a four issue miniseries, uh, Spawn Wildcats. It was a team up between the two, uh, where they, he kind of threw the, the characters into this, uh, sort of, Armageddon type future where they had to fight to survive and it, it was really really good. Uh, he did write the, a lot of that early image stuff very well. And um, if you want a kind of basic, do you want me to kind of give you the basic idea of Wildcats? Sure. A little, uh, you know, you mentioned that there's a new team going on. Uh, from what I know is uh, that when the team first started, their basic mission was to fight and protect the Earth from a, an alien. Uh, race known as the Daemonites, and the Daemonites basically just wanted to harvest the earth for, you know, resources and whatnot and enslave the people, and uh, the Wildcats formed underneath, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he owned a company and he, he hired all of these heroes to form the team, and that was kind of one of the interesting things about the characters, is they really didn't come together naturally, they were just kind of hired and thrown together, and they kind of had their problems with each other and stuff, and... uh he kind of just he he told them kind of he kind of sent them on their missions and told them what to do and he he gave them all the gadgets and their transportation and such and uh i know one of the members uh i forget her name but she was kind of locked into an ancient uh form of martial arts known as like the coda and that was kind of her ability there was another character known as grifter and he was kind of like your mercenary type there was uh you got to add. He had kind of like a like a scarf yeah. or something over his face. Yeah, him I remember. Yeah, he, I like. He was probably my favorite character. Yeah, there was another guy named uh, Maul, I believe. He was kind of like your Hulk type of character. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think they they I, I like the Wildcats from what I know of them. There's also there was a great uh, animated series in the early '90s that Jim Lee was involved in. I've actually uh-huh. I've seen a few of those episodes. I borrowed the DVD from a friend. But uh, that, those are pretty good to watch if you really kind of want to get the gist of Wildcats. But yeah, I mean the wild the Wildcats can be a lot of fun, and uh, they are. I mean they're kind of they're kind of their structure is kind of like the generic team build. You kind of have your strong guy, you have your uh, you have your mercenary guy, you have your kind of magic person, you have your you know martial artist or whatever. But you know they can be a lot of fun. So I'm glad to hear that you really liked uh, and were interested by the Wildcats, and you know. I, I did. It was it was a double surprise because there is another. There's at least one other more in comics, and I think it's I think it's Francis Moore, if I'm not. I don't know, but there, there's another. But anyway, to crack this open and and see that the Moore on the cover was actually Alan Moore really was a shock to me because I had totally forgot that he would ever done any image. I told it, you know, I I did know about the 1963 series and had totally forgotten. So. I was really surprised by that. Plus, also, you know, again, by by not being familiar with any of this stuff, you know, and only ever hearing just word of mouth, and it always seems like it's, you know, except for you, I, I almost hear just almost completely negative. I mean, it's almost like you could look up shit in the dictionary and you're going to see images of Mar- of image comics. And that's that's the 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 perception that's out there. 
So, you know, I'm always nervous picking up something like this or a, or a Valiant or whatever because that's what everybody says. So it's very refreshing to, to pick this up and find out that, you know, it doesn't suck, and it was actually pretty cool. It was pretty enjoyable. So that that's nice. I love when things like that happen, and that's why, you know, I, I, I don't like to, to, to toe those fanboy lines of, you know, going along with the herd and saying, oh, you know, Liefeld sucks and blah, 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 because, you know, I like to keep an open mind and, and, and you know, have some objectivities to where I can pick up things like this and and find that you know they are enjoyable after all and you know I like to be able to find the uh, you know whatever hidden quality might be in in any comics because I, I you know even the worst of comics you know the just the the sorriest suckiest comic that was ever put out you know somebody toiled on that so you know there might be some redeeming quality in there somewhere to that work you know something that you know makes it of value to have ever been you know put to paper and i I like to try to keep an open mind to find whatever that angle is in in even you know the the worst of stuff so that's kind of the approach i took to reading this and it was just a really nice surprise to find out that it wasn't some horrible abomination it was actually something where i i could see myself you know getting sucked in and wanting to find you know the subsequent issues and see where it went from here because it felt very much like a jump on issue that's how i took it anyway so yeah i i enjoyed it thumbs up awesome that's great to hear because i you know i like image a lot (laughs) it always kind of bums me out how always people uh just kind of crap all over the early stuff and i like a i like a good bit of the early stuff i think there was I think their main problem in the beginning was they had a lot of great ideas, but they had some. Sometimes they had poor execution on them, and I think that's where they kind of got a lot, of, a lot of their rap. But yeah, great to hear that you're uh, digging the Wildcats. Well, yeah, you could you could apply that same thing though to you know to Marvel, to DC, to just about any other publisher in the '90s. I mean, it, it certainly wasn't isolated to just Image. I mean, there was a lot of you know good and bad ideas that were you know poorly executed in the 90s that was kind of you know why the 90s have the comic reputation that the 90s have it certainly isn't you know just images fall or just an image phenomenon by any stretch exactly everybody should keep that in mind (laughs) and on that note we wrap up another episode of Back to the Bins. If you have any sort of feedback, please send an email over to backtothebins at gmail.com. Back to the Bins is an Alec Berry, Scott Gardner production, copyright 2009. Please join us again next time, and we will go back. Back to the Bins. She gets it while she can.